Sound check. Sound check one, two. I muted myself. Sorry. No, that's okay. Sound check one, two, three. All right. What's up, y'all? I'm sneezy today. You looked uh, like something was going on. Yeah. Is it uh, vaccine related or allergy related? What? It's allergies, man. They are hitting me very hard. I usually don't have to take medicine, but I'm taking some allergy medicine to help. It's that time of year, man. Spring. It's crazy. So I'm I'm a little sleepy, but I'm okay. Do y'all have allergies? Yeah. Seasonal allergies? Yeah. yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Are you in your new house, uh, Charles? I am. Yeah. I don't think it's house related, Igor. It's over the weekend when I was just going into the backyard with the kids, I'd come back in and my nose would start to itch and I'd sneeze. So I think it, it might be specific pollen in the backyard, but I doubt it. I think it's just in general. Yeah. That time of year. Yeah, we had the windows open over the weekend, which was great. Just a bunch of natural air flowing through the house and my allergies were bugging me. So why it's best to stay indoors, I think. Not an official podcast recommendation, though. <laughs> Do not go outside. Just for me personally, the sun and the wind are not kind to me. So we're, we're going to switch it up a little bit today, yeah? We got a question from the internet, yeah? Another question from the internet, which, Igor, you found this one, right? Yes. Yes. I'm sometimes a fan of Reddit, which I know breaks my no social network rules, but that's okay. There's a, okay, maybe there's a deeper discussion at some point. I've never been a big fan of Reddit. I haven't really even read Reddit, if that's the thing. But you call, you consider that a social network? It's a bunch of people interacting online, posting things. You can scroll through it pretty infinitely. There's no stop to it. It's algorithm based. In many ways, it's like a Twitter. Okay. Twitter yeah. meets crowdsource news. Yeah. 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 There's so much noise on Reddit. But a lot of times when you dig into these, especially if the post gets a lot of views and upvotes, there's some really exceptional posts and advice on there. Interesting. It was such a good question and it had so much detail in it that I thought, even if our answer isn't helpful to this person, maybe it's helpful to other individuals who are in like in a similar situation. So it's a career question. It's definitely, yeah, it's a career question. You, you had shared this with us. I think I clicked on it and saw that there was a lot of text and I didn't read yeah, it. I'll read it. And, and I think that the beauty of this question is because there is so much detail in it. So there's a lot of things for us to, in context, to react to. Usually our questions are very broad. And so we create our own guide rails, if you will. But I, th I think this one has a, a rich amount of detail. So here we go. The question is, how do I adjust to my new role as a first-time director? I'm feeling young and incapable as a 29-year-old female. So 29-year-old female landed a director-level role at a small company with five direct reports. This is my first director-level title. While applying and interviewing, I was 100% confident I fit the bill. I've worked in bigger companies and provided freelance consulting services that did what this role entails. My only gap was the people management experience prior uh, to this position, managing at most two people, and it was a positive experience. At the time, I made it clear that I was confident I could manage five if I was able to manage two. Also, the title gap is there too, but to me, titles vary so much in different companies that I overlooked that. I must have sold myself nicely because I was hired. I was really confident about everything and very excited to finally start that next step in my career until I actually started. Now I feel incapable, small, young, and clueless. It doesn't help that I feel inferior to some of uh, the men executives too. I feel exhausted after a simple quiet day of work because I feel like I'm putting on a massive metaphorical mask of faking it. I'm so much more anxious than I've ever been. During the interviews, I felt like I was on the same wing length as everyone. And so I thought I'd fit right in, but currently I'm not feeling that way at all. 
I have two major pain points. One, usually when I take on a freelance project, I'm able to jump right into consulting and helping. Currently, I feel like I'm still learning the ropes, but at a director level, I feel like I should already be jumping in and doing more. So I already feel like I'm failing and not meeting expectations. And two, I have two people, person A and person B, reporting to me who have made it clear that they know more than I do and don't really want to change anything. And for what it's worth, I know I'm young, but I also look young. So my hunch is that these two feel like I'm too young to do my job. I like to set up one-on-ones my first week to meet everyone. I'll be working with direct reports or not because I'm a big, quote, team player person. For my direct reports, I thought it'd be nice to buy them lunch and get to know them personally and start getting an idea of who I'm working with. Person A explained that they have been doing this role since they started three years ago, and since then have seen two people in my role who failed to make a meaningful impact. The attitude I got here was, my strategy is right, I have no intention of listening to your ideas, without her directly saying so. Example two, person B was just very standoffish during our lunch date. She did ask me a lot about my background, and every time I answered her question, she had very judgmental eyes and tone of voice. When I tried to ask uh, about her, she seemed disengaged from the conversation. Person A and B are really close to one another from what I observe. And knowing office politics in general, I get the feeling that they're both, that they both do not enjoy my new presence. That's a very deep question. My goodness. Lots of detail there to, to react to. I guess this person worked on my team. I really do like hungry to do a great job, ambitious to take on new career opportunities, and hitting the ground and doing the exact right thing, trying to connect with their team. There's a lot of really good things that happened here. And if she's new to the role and is already instinctively behaving like a leader, she's going to have a really bright career, regardless of how this particular job goes. She's the one that has to go to work and actually deal with these people. And so she's the one at the plate having to swing the bat. But maybe there are some thoughts and ideas we could offer to provide some support and help. There's this, I think a couple of times when I read the prompt, she mentioned that she feels inferior. And I, I think you have to really own that feeling and figure out what you want to do with it. Some folks, in, in some situations, it's totally contextual. You can use that feeling of feeling inferior and channel it into action. Or sometimes it cripples you. And it denies your ability to do a great job. And so you have to figure out if this feeling that you have and your reaction to it, can you channel it towards more action and motivation? Or is it something that's going to demotivate you and prevent you from taking action? And I think you have to react to both those things differently. The people who hired you for this job saw goodness in you. They probably had lots of other candidates that they were looking at and interviewing. And out of those candidates, you came out on top. And so there, there are people in your company, just by the you know, fact that you were hired, that believe in you and your ability to do a great job and have invested in you. And, uh, and so those feelings of inferiority can really become quite destructive if you let them creep in and not process them properly. Yeah. And I'll add to that too. You got to keep showing up right? This is a an experience having to deal with difficult people, having to deal with people that work for you who are difficult. If I had to speculate, obviously, I don't know this to be true. 
there's a good chance that one or two of those team members already knew about this role and applied for it and got turned down, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there might be some jealousy at play. And then you have this level of role power that you may not have had to wield the same way before. And people view you differently when they're your boss or you have this role of director or whatever. But I will say, you're going to make mistakes. Things are going to go well. Things are going to go poorly. When you look back on this time, though, I think you'll see it's a formative time. Like the the feelings that you're having are those of learning and growth, and that will make you a more effective leader in the future. So it's not great when you're going through it. But I, I do think the situation is set up such that you can really learn and grow and, and take your career to the next level here. And if you're willing to continue to to show up and, and try to move past some of the, the initial hurdles and, and roadblocks you're finding in your role. Yeah, I'm trying to go back to the TLDR, Igor. I think you've got me a little cautious in terms of thinking about, I, I don't know what advice to give women. I think that's uh, thrown me off a little bit here. But if I tried to remove some of the context and I look at, and some of the details and really just talk about, I feel incapable as a first time director. It's the first sentence that they put there. I think in, in the second sentence, I felt 100% confident. I think what I would do, because I've felt that way before. I'm sure y'all have as well. I continue to feel that way as our careers evolve and we grow into different positions. I think for me, oftentimes, that is a repetitive story that I've told myself, this inferiority or this lack of capability and it's a story that, that is on repeat whenever I'm in an uncomfortable situation. And so I think practically it's okay. What was absent from some of the details, the first thing that jumped out is like, what about her supervisor? It's like, wh where are they here? Is she? And oftentimes when I have felt uncomfortable in my role, I haven't gone and talked to my supervisor because I feel like I should be able to handle it on my own. And that has come back to bite me time and time again. And I think, especially from a consulting standpoint, to me, age is just a proxy for knowledge. And that kind of goes back to this question of how capable are you? And is there work to be done to actually build your capability and gain more knowledge in this situation? Because I know for me, my comfort doesn't go away or my discomfort doesn't go away unless somebody tells me I'm doing a good job, right? I'm doing what they're expecting me to do. And or I feel like I'm starting to learn more, right? About the role, about the work, about the situation and the environment. And those are things that I have in my control, right? It's like I can control getting more knowledge, building my capabilities, talking to my supervisor in addition to, the, to my team to try to find how to improve the situation. Does that make sense at all? Or am I just in a Benadryl-induced <clears throat> haze right now? I, I feel kind of rambling. I, I think the point about talking to your supervisor is really great. And I didn't think about it, but you're spot on. And that person is likely the hiring manager that made you know the final decision or one of the decision makers to bring you on so they believe in this person. And you also get like the new person halo for a little bit. So you can bring things to your colleagues and to your boss and to your team that after six months on the job, you probably can't bring the same way. And also, it's a good time to test the workings of your relationship and how that's going to develop with your supervisor because that's important. 
And if you're not able to establish a sense of trust that you can go with your feelings and problems to your boss and and have them heard and have that person help you work through them, then maybe that's not a place you want to stick around for too long. Because I'm sure that you want to be that person for your team. And, and you should have that expectation of your boss as well. But there is a fear of, if I go to my boss, now that I've been hired with this sort of problem, I'm going to be like found out as a fraud. <laughs> they made a mistake in hiring me, obviously. And if somebody, if your boss reacts that way to your feelings, I'm not sure that's a great start to a relationship. I can't, you know, I'm putting myself in, in the situation of the, the boss. And if somebody new comes to me with, and explains to me these issues that they're having, I would never dismiss them and be like, oh my gosh, this person's obviously incapable and inept and I made a huge mistake. That thought would never cross my mind. My thought would be on how can we work together and how can I help you create an environment where you can work through some of these issues and make you more comfortable and help you work with your team so they're more comfortable with you. So talking to your boss is a a really great, piece of advice. And I I don't think it's Benadryl induced. But you do get rambly when you're on Benadryl, which I like. (laughs) Oh, you should take it every day. It's your thoughts are much more long and drawn out. Oh, interesting. I I was listening for the detail of the supervisor being part of the problem. And I didn't hear that, which is why it's like, oh, there's probably an opportunity there. And it's just that fear, like you said, of being found out that you're floundering, even though you felt you were comfortable. But I'll I'll go back to Robert, what you said at the beginning. You want somebody like this person on your team, right? So that honesty and that, that reflection and this desire to get started and jump right in and build the relationships that are needed to be successful. And so I, I would hope that if there are no signs that the boss is part of the problem or the supervisor is part of the problem, that even though you feel afraid, you can still go that route. In fact, that's probably the most important route to, to go to because they have more context and they have, and they also have positional power. And we, I, I was talking about capability and knowledge. You can see that as content power, right? It's like you have the ability to draw from expertise and things like that. And it's, it seems like people are challenging your positional power because of your perceived lack of knowledge, capability, and or youth. That is that's really tough to overcome without some help. And so I think you got to lean into the, to the relationship with the boss and get some of that positional power to help get people to see you in your role with an open mind as opposed to being so close-minded. Which could just look like a public display of support in a meeting mm-hmm. or something like that. There are signals that the, the VP, I'm assuming, right, would be able to, to do that are non-invasive, non-direct, but are signals of support. Yeah, I've got your back sort of deal. I think a lot of people discount, we'll just call them the VP. I think a lot of people discount that that is a, you have leverage in that relationship because by hiring you, they have put part of their reputation on the line and they are even incentivized for you to succeed. Yes, that's that's right. right. Even if they're not some sort of benevolent king or queen, they are selfishly invested because if you don't work out, that was a very expensive move for the company. Hiring a person and that person not working out is incredibly expensive from a dollar's perspective for a company, but also from a reputation perspective to the person that made that hiring decision. And it's very hard to just fully write that off and say, oh, this person was just horrible. There's, they have 
invested part of their reputation in you. And you have, so you have leverage in that relationship and you should realize that and use it to mutual benefit. I tend to think of everything through the lens of relationships and I would double down on relationship building with the team, with my boss and with the client that I'm at, the stakeholders of the client so I can better understand the problem. And all that means is regular one-on-ones, regular one-on-ones because there's the two uh, person A and person B don't feel safe. You came into their world and they don't feel safe. You came into their world and they came into your world and now you don't feel safe. And that to me is the core of the issue that has to get resolved. And you have to get everybody to feelings of safety. You have to get person A and person B to feel safe and create that environment for them so they can feel that way. And over time, that environment of safety will come for you as well. And part of building safety for you is going to your vice president and having those discussions. And so it takes time. And I've been in difficult situations where I've joined a team and I had difficult subordinates or I've had difficult peers or even a difficult boss. And every time as I invested more and more into that relationship, everything just got better. Things things seem to just resolve themselves because you're building trust and you're building safety. And but part of that is just it just takes time and it's not going to be instant. And some people you can help them feel safe right away. So maybe the other three people on your team, but don't assume that's the case. I have equitable investment of time into relationship building on one, one-on-ones with everybody. And that, that's where I flex to naturally is let's have a conversation. No matter how grumpy you are, I'm going to keep taking you and paying for your lunch because that's part of the test too. Now, there's a person that was really dismissive of me, but it was very important for me to get my job done. And every morning I would come to their office and I would knock and I would just ask them how they're feeling. How are you doing? this morning. And I would say probably for a straight three weeks, this person would tell me to get out of their office in not so nice a way. Some nice curse words put in there. But I just kept at it. I just kept at it. And at some point, the glass broke. And she knew that I genuinely wanted to know how she's feeling. And and we had an amazing relationship. And so as a high red person, that's how I tend to throw myself into problems is investing more and more time one-on-one in building trust in relationships and creating safety for everyone. All right. There we go. I like it, Igor. It, this is definitely, yeah, it's not going to work the first time you try it. I think that's really insightful. We found this post online and it we appreciated the vulnerability and detail. We feel like the career aspect of the question tends to be in our wheelhouse. So we're taking a stab at providing some help answering the question to the best of our ability. And we'll say, hey, we have no idea about her situation, how she's feeling, what it takes to be a woman in that environment. And here's some thoughts and ideas. If they're helpful, awesome. If they're not, sorry for wasting your time. I think we're likely to have blind spots oh, that absolutely. we're well, not yeah, aware of. of. And I think what would be really great is for people who are listening to this and that can identify the blind spots that that we've demonstrated. I'd love to hear about those because I have, uh, obviously I have female colleagues, I have uh, female folks on my team and they do come to me for advice and things like that. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I just have these blind spots and I can give you advice, but it may not be helpful because I, I don't know at the end of the day 
what it's like. And so the more I know about my blind spots in these sort of situations, the more I can acknowledge them. And maybe I can overcome some and maybe not. That's fine too. But it would just lead me to be more self-aware. So it would be really cool for, for someone to say, y'all, Igor, you didn't consider such and such because you, you don't have to normally deal with that. If it's helpful, I really hope it's helpful. But if it's not, certainly no offense taken. If you think we're idiots. I say that a lot to people that ask me for advice. It's take what works and throw away the garbage. <laughs> it's like you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. That has to be how it is. You ask 10 people for advice on one seeming, seemingly simple yeah, thing yeah. and you get 10 different answers. So yeah, that's how you got to use your own wisdom to to take yeah. what's given to you and make it your yeah. own. So hopefully this helps. That's a good question. Thanks for bringing it up. Great question. Yeah. I really wish this person was on my team. Yeah, if it doesn't work out in your <laughs> current... Uh, I was going to say, really, if it doesn't work really out, suck. come talk to us. We'll find you a new home. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, just send us an email. Yeah, goodness. I, I love it. I, yeah. I think lack of self-awareness is what scuttles most directors, uh, people at that level. Just the inability to reflect. And obviously this person has that. And so that's an awesome sign. You're going to be a great leader. You are a great without one. Without our help. Right? Don't discount yeah. that. Yes, that's, that's right. right. All right, y'all. It was great to see you today. We tried a new recording technology, <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> fingers crossed. Thanks, guys. Yeah, fingers crossed. That's it for today. Thanks for joining. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WannaGrabCoffee or drop us a line at hello at WannaGrabCoffee.com. 